lost weight and you find that the reactions from your family, your friends, and even strangers have changed, hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Dr. Susan Mitchell. Let's go beyond bariatric surgery and talk about everything you need to move on. Lately, there's been conversation in our Facebook group, Bariatric Surgery Eating, about personal relationships and, and how they're affected by significant weight loss. Have you experienced this too? Perhaps this is something that's worth thinking about before bariatric surgery. Just ahead, let's find out. If you've had bariatric surgery, you need a specific bariatric multivitamin, not an off-the-shelf version. There's a big difference. In Australia, choose BN Multi. Find them at beyondbariatricsurgery.com in the shop. Joining me via Skype from the Gold Coast of Australia is registered health psychologist Linda Valmadri, founder of Bariatric Psychology Services. She's a member of the Australian Psychological Society with 12 years of experience working across a broad range of issues, including complex trauma and domestic violence. Linda has a special interest in bariatric psychology to support her clients with relevant strategies to help them achieve and maintain their healthy weight goals for life. You can find out more about Linda on our website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com. Just click on podcast for her episode and then the show notes. Welcome to the podcast, Linda. Hello, Dr. Susan. Thank you very much for having me. Well, this is a great topic. And I just want to jump right in and say, you know what? These changes in relationships, are they worth thinking about before surgery? Well, I think they're definitely worth being prepared for because it can start straight away. For example, you might find that some partners and friends may feel threatened by your change. Strangers may seem to behave differently towards you. The opposite sex may show you more attention and you also might find that you think differently, feel differently and behave differently yourself. And in some cases, I bet all four of these things happen. And so you're really going, what's going on here? Yes. <laughs> so let's start with how our feelings about ourselves may change. What's happening here? Well, as you achieve the things you wanted out of weight loss, you might feel more confident, become more outgoing take more care of your appearance and look people more directly in the eye, smile more, and maybe even be more assertive. This can particularly affect how strangers behave towards you because you are behaving differently towards them and they have no prior knowledge of you. So I like hearing when you say more self-confidence, more smiles, but can these positive changes at the same time create problems? Sure. Well, while we're doing all these new things like exercising more, we may be doing less of things that people know us for, like watching TV or eating and drinking with friends. And these things can affect those around us. What we often don't realize is that we are recognized by others for the way we look, the way we dress, the way we behave and even the way we eat. You know, I have to stop and interject right there. I, I guess sure. in some, some level, we probably all know that, but I don't think we ever stop to go, really people recognize us by those, you know, they, we think they just recognize us for us. And then when you say, gosh, they look at, they know the way we dress or how we behave or what we eat. That's really, yep. that's interesting. Yes, well, the human brain relies on all sorts of patterns to help us interpret what's going on. And that's how we know how someone might, we know before they say something that what they're going to say. 
because we know their patterns of behavior. And that's called our comfort zone. And then all of a sudden, the comfort zone is being shaken uh -huh. up. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and at right. the same time, many people resist change, right? Yes. Well, our brain has gone to all the trouble to make that comfort zone in the first place. So it resists having to unfreeze it and try and work out new patterns and to refreeze it. So our brain resists change. Um, and when people start looking and behaving in ways we don't expect, we get shaken out of our comfort zone and have to try and understand what's going on. So when our comfort zone is disrupted, we have basically three choices for, for handling that. And the first one is that we could ignore the change and hope it goes away. And this is generally by avoiding direct conversation and building stories in our head. The second choice is to try to force a change back. And this usually involves unconsciously perhaps um, manipulative techniques. And the third choice for change is a painful process, which we generally try to avoid. But if we use acceptance, connection and direct conversation, it will help us through. Oh, this, this is good stuff. It's crucial to our podcast concept of everything you need to move on after surgery. And certainly this is a big part of that. So let's go into each of these three choices more in depth, because I think if you understand these, then you can help yourself and the people in your relationships. Okay. So if we take it from the perspective of how others respond to our change, we take the first example and um, deal with ignore the change and hope it goes away. So for example, friends might withdraw. And this might be, might be because they're struggling to know how to handle your change. Your change may result in them feeling bad about themselves as if we're holding up a mirror to their lifestyle. And it may, the, the change may bring out insecurities in the way that they're thinking. Like they might think, oh, she or he doesn't want to hang out with me anymore. And partners, too, may feel worried that you will find a, in inverted commas, better mate. Wow. So when somebody withdraws from you, they're hoping that things will just change back and they won't have to do the work to let their brain accept the new you. It's, uh, is that, that's a really helpful way to look at it. I like that. Yeah, you've uh, got it. So then what does the second option look like if we're going to... So obviously this first option is, is not a great option because your hope they're not going to change back. They've gone to all this trouble. They're moving forward and the likelihood of them going back is hopefully not so great. That's it. Yes, exactly. And the second one isn't much better because um, it's trying to force a change back in us. So others may try to sabotage our success so that they can avoid stepping out of their comfort zone and going through the change process, the painful change process themselves. So this could be like someone saying, come on, let's go eat out or let's have this to eat or get you to skip the exercise that you've started to do to go do something with them. I think this happens a lot. Not Maybe it's not a, a you know, somebody planning to do it. They just want no. to get you back to the way you've always been in their mind, like you just said. Okay, That's, so now yeah. what about the third? Okay, <clears throat> and so the third option is the hardest, but arguably the most beneficial. And that is accept the changes occurred and adjust as quickly as they can. 
And this would look like others coming to us to talk about what has changed and ask questions about things to make a better understanding of the change that we're going through or have been through, to gain also a bit of reassurance about the relationship that it's sturdy and stable. Um, and establish a new comfort zone as quickly as possible. And some are even able to help us celebrate our achievements too. These people are definitely good candidates to include in our key support network. So, Linda, do you think that we can influence the choice they make in any way? Yes, I can. For example, by talking directly with people about what you're doing and seeing them regularly during the process will allow their brain to make the changes it needs to make without such a big effort. Now that we know what's going on for them, we can be more compassionate about their feelings and recognize their reaction is not meant to hurt us. So we don't need to take it personally. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point you make because just as our physical and lifestyle changes take people out of their comfort zone and then they're not responding the way that we'd hoped or expected, we're taken out of our comfort zone too. So don't we have to make these uh, three choices? We have to think about them ourselves? Yes, that's right. Uh, for example, with the first one, we could ignore their response and hope that they come around. But we could do that in a way of not taking it personally and just more or less say to ourselves, I'll let you sit with that, but I'm over here changing and you're welcome to come and join me. Or the second option is that we could try to make them change back. And once again, this could look like us crying or getting angry or withdrawing our friendship to try and make them change. And alternatively, on this same side of the coin, we could actually succumb to their manipulations and change back. How, how but, often does that happen, Linda, that people actually say, forget it, the stress of my new change is so awful from the relationship in my family and friends that I'm just gonna go back to the old way. Does that happen a lot? Well, I guess so. I don't have any sort of exact number on it, but um, it is a painful process. And But in this scenario, it's really a lose-lose outcome. Sure. And the third, the third option is to accept that things have changed, to stay connected with others and speak directly to them about the change and the feelings around that. Just, oh, I was just going to add to remember that um, you're not responsible for how, how others respond. You are, however, responsible for how you respond. There's a big difference between reacting, I suppose, and responding, and you'll get different outcomes. So the third choice is arguably the most favorable option. And it is can be so hard to stop and think before reacting, right? It sure can. And a useful tool here is something called the ladder of inference. Mm -hmm. um, it was developed by Chris Argeris, an organizational psychologist, but I think this tool is really useful in any setting. It provides us with a simple process for interpreting the situation. So you start with the facts, what happened, what was said, and then you create a story around that to try and make sense of what's going on. And this can be influenced by our past behavior, uh, sorry, our past experiences. You then feel a certain emotion about that story, sad, angry, or etc. You react in a certain way because of the feelings the story evoked. 
for example, you might lash out at someone. What you'll notice here is that it's very easy to stray away from the fact. Whenever you're feeling strong emotions, it's going to affect your behavior. And one common outcome is eating, emotional eating. Yes, you know, because all of a sudden I'm listening to you start with the facts and then quickly someone moves to saying, well, this reminds me of so-and-so and this is what happens then. That's what happened at that time. That's how I'll react when they really have nothing to do with each other. And exactly. Yeah. I, in nutrition, we see that a lot in emotional eating. And we talk a lot about emotional eating because it's so tied to food choices and, and to weight and to diet. And, and I could see how this would impact the urge to eat, not, not because you're hungry, but just because of the emotional situation you find yourself in. Yes. And when you don't like the behavior or the emotion, go back to examine the facts and see if you've maybe made more out of it than is actually there. Because when we misinterpret situations or read into things more than is actually there, we call this going up the ladder. So a good way to work on emotional eating is to check whether the emotions are really necessary or whether you can have a different emotional outcome from the same set of facts. Ooh, I can hear that this can be a great way to let go of emotions. Just recognize you don't really know what they meant. So take it at face value. We've had conversations in the Facebook group, as I mentioned, about this issue. And one was over Christmas where, <clears throat> this was last year, where one lady who had, and she'd made an incredible transformation. She attended the family Christmas party and then felt really disappointed to find that nobody commented on her weight loss. When she aired that on Facebook, there was a lot of support for her. Many similar stories, a lot of comments made about what was going on, whether people were just being mean or jealous or just polite by not commenting. What advice do you have for this type of situation? Wow, this is a great example to work with using the ladder of inference. We don't know the true circumstances, but we'll use that scenario. So step one, what are the facts? What do we know? We know that she had made an incredible transformation and we know that nobody at the Christmas party commented on her weight loss. And that's all we know. Step two, what story do you create around those facts? Remembering that past experience will play a part in the story we create and your knowledge of the past behaviours of people involved. In fact, this particular lady didn't reveal too much story, but those who responded to her Facebook, her, her story on Facebook, contributed their own stories using their own life experiences. So, Linda, you're saying here that <clears throat> if they said, yeah. oh, that person's being mean, or maybe they were just being polite, they're drawing on what they've experienced versus what's really happening in her situation and offering that up. That's very likely. Yes, that's correct. Um, so if we move on to the next step is how do you feel as a result of this story? Again, these ladies did, uh, sorry, this lady didn't stipulate in her Facebook post, but everyone who responded provided an interpretation that used the same facts created a different story relating to their own experience that resulted in a variety of different emotions ranging from anger to sadness to disappointment. And then the final step is 
what would those emotions trigger you to do? If you felt angry, you might withdraw, you might lash out, you might cry, you might laugh it off. It all depends on the story you created and how you might normally respond to your stories. What we do know is that this lady took her story home and put it on Facebook to look for reasons. Here, she shared her story with people who had no facts. So she used the first of the change strategies. Avoid direct conversation about the, your observations and go with your stories. Using the ladder of inference to our benefit, when you feel the emotion of confusion or anger, resentment, whatever this brings up for you, the first thing to do would be to go back down the ladder and review the facts. Doing this enables you to see that there isn't enough information here to make any conclusion. And now that we know more about how uncomfortable people's brains make them feel when familiar things change, in this situation, things change dramatically, we can feel more compassionate about the situation and we've got the opportunity to respond in a positive way. Yeah, I think this is great. So with this new knowledge about the brain and how we respond um, and think about it for a more positive standpoint, what else might she have done in her response? Yes, so she could have accepted that her change may cause others some comfort zone discomfort and empathized with these people about the discomfort about her change. She could have conversed with them and raised her transformation herself. She could have simply shared conversation about them and not needed to know why they're not commenting. If relevant, she might have decided that she to work on her internal source of self-approval and not needing that approval from others. Well, she could have just enjoyed the Christmas party and decided not to make it about her at this time. She could have decided to hold a transformation party with her key support network, and she could decide to stay in touch more regularly so that change is less traumatic. And you know what I like about this? Um, this guidance is really good year round because think about how many holidays, celebrations, parties we have where this same scenario probably plays itself out over and over. And these uh, different things that she could have done, all positive, they could just be used over and over in most any situation where change is happening in your life. Is that right? Yes, that's right. It's like going back to the facts and just checking that the you're doing, you're responding in a way that's going to be effective for you. Okay, so I think I, the bottom line that I believe I hear you say is when you have this big change to go back, keep going back to the facts instead of a story that might be coming from someone else or coming from your past, go back down the ladder, go back to the facts, ask yourself these questions, and then look at what you just said, the many positive ways to respond. That's it. Yes, exactly. Because every scenario is, is a different, every experience is a different set of circumstances. So we want to make sure that we're covering the whole view. Linda, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and these terrific positive strategies to deal with relationship changes. We appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Dr. Susan. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. It's so important to hear 
about all the issues you can face and what you can do about them to stay empowered and move on. Don't forget to subscribe to our Beyond Bariatric Surgery podcast if you haven't already on your favorite podcatcher such as iTunes and Google Play. If you need help, just go to beyondbariatricsurgery.com. We'll show you how. It's easy. Also, check out the great online courses we offer at beyondbariatricsurgery.com. You'll surround yourself with positive ideas, like-minded people, looking at a particular topic focus for six weeks or more. It's a really good way to stay motivated and have the opportunity to speak directly with some of our experts via a Facebook group. There's always a course starting soon, maybe just what you need. So check out beyondbiatricsurgery.com. You know, your support of our various courses, products, supplements, it enables us to bring you the best podcast possible, and we appreciate you. Don't forget, join the community, share your story and experiences on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash beyondbiatricsurgery. Watch for our Facebook Live post, and I'll be watching for your post. Beyond Bariatric Surgery is produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC, all rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host's Great Ideas in Nutrition, or Practicalories, LLC.